0: on an all-new friday the 13th the series he's dead what three statues cursed by an ancient code of honor those who fail were punished with death to carry on a tradition of evil that pits father against son no! now the ultimate sacrifice the only chance we've got a date with death on an all-new friday the 13th the series And you are listening to the Dead TV Podcast, podcast dedicated to all the cancelled TV series in science fiction, fantasy, and horror genre. I am your host, Dr. Chris.
1: And I'm Mr. Seneca.
0: And this is the podcast that is knee-deep in the Friday the 13th genre over the last almost year and a half. (laughs) Year and a half. It's a long,
1: long series.
0: (laughs) Done with it. And I blame Mr. Seneca God damn it. <laughs>
1: hey, I, I've loved doing it, you know? Uh,
0: it's just it's, now we're like me. the end of it and just like, I just kind of want to go on to the next show.
1: <laughs> I know. I know. So We're finishing up the season three. We're getting there.
0: So tonight is episodes 11 and 12.
1: Okay. Uh the episode eleven, Year of the Monkey, originally aired January fifteenth, nineteen ninety. A father uses a potentially fatal test to challenge the loyalty of his children using three magical monkey statues.
0: Mm. Um, by the way, there's not episode promos on the DVD for uh, at least two of these ep- two of the episodes of the four episodes that are on the DVD. Uh, yeah I noticed that so when we didn't play the promo for the last week's episode I was kind of caught off guard noticing wait a minute there's no promo on this disc for the second episode when we had Fred on the show and the same thing with the second episode episode 12 we don't have a promo either so uh side note to be edited we will probably find it on YouTube so um <laughs> hopefully if you can, yeah we got to find it on YouTube so we'll um kind of start searching around right now while we're talking about it um so, the monkey's paw, hear I the thought monkeys. for a minute there, I thought this was going to be about a monkey's paw, but no, it's about a he, <laughs> he, hear no evil, see no evil, speak no evil um, set of uh, monkey statues from Japan.
1: Yeah, and actually, I do have a lot of information on those. Uh, You're going to get the, uh, see we're going no evil...
0: uh, oh, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, your, your synopsis of the see no, hear no, speak no evil, it has, has to be... Uh, not as not as long as normally. Mm-hmm. Ah, so you gotta like find your best information while I'm going through who the cast list is right now. Okay. Okay. So in the episode we have playing Tanaka Robert Ito. Um, now I gotta point something out is that these is supposed to be in Japan and these these are supposed to be like Japanese characters, but uh, not all these actors are from Japan.
1: No, uh, in fact, like, immediately I recognized Tia Carrera, who was hmm? also in Wayne's World. The movie. Yeah,
0: she is uh, of Cantonese uh, descent um, in Wayne's World, but I don't think she's actually Japanese in real life. Right? She's, you like, know, Chinese I do American. not know of
1: her, national- her um, nationalities. All
0: right, give me a second. Right, um... Yes, Tia Carrera is actually from. Uh, she's actually Chinese, Filipino, and Spanish, not Japanese. Um, of course, as said in this clip here from Wayne's World.
1: It's kick ass. Your double life gonzo, intensity in 10 cities, live at Budokan. You know, if you guys got a break, you could really make it.
0: Yeah, and if a frog had wings, they wouldn't bump his ass when he hopped.
1: Interesting. Where did you learn English? College.
0: And the police academy movies.
1: Ah. Cassandra. I've got something I want to say to you. Ne hold
0: Campbell. it's amazing. You learn not have to say I look pretty in Cantonese.
1: Ne do ke lang <laughs> Ne gang man di
0: hi, Wayne! Hello, Stacy. Right here. <音声><音声> he?
1: Alright,
0: i got to do this again.
1: <laughs> that was a long clip i not even playing. You're helping live, Lorenzo, Intensity in Ten Cities, live at Budokan. You know, if you guys got a break, you could really make it.
0: Yeah, and if a frog had wings, it wouldn't bump his ass when he hopped.
1: Interesting. Where did you learn English?
0: College. and the police academy movies.
1: Ah. Cassandra. I've got something I want to say to you. Careful! It's amazing. You learn how to say I look pretty in Cantonese. to Hi, Wayne. Hello,
0: Stacy. And the clip is from Wayne's World where Wayne tries to impress Tia Carrera's character who's a uh she's a rock star.
1: <laughs> I I do love that movie. But back to our episode. Oh
0: my god, you are breaking up so much. I don't know why oh. to do tonight.
1: Oh no, The cursed object that we're going after, or that we think that we're going after, is a black tea set. And am I the only one that thought that uh, they were being set up by being poisoned by being served tea? Okay. Uh,
0: Start over again from whatever you were just saying. Um, We didn't finish whoever's in this episode, too, by the way.
1: No, we need to do that.
0: So uh, who else is in this episode is Robert Ito. Um, who is Japanese, and you might recognize him from a little film called The Adventures of Buckaroo Banzai.
1: (laughs) Yeah, although he's been on so many things, uh, Jackie Chan Adventures, um, Superman, the TV series, uh, Iron Man TV series.
0: Well, he was the voice of the Mandarin in the uh, Iron Man animated series. The, The real Mandarin, by the way. A lot of people who are not familiar with the comic books, uh, the Mandarin is of Chinese descent. Um, and they didn't want to offend the Chinese because they need to sell movies over there, so they changed him to like Ben Kingsley to be this like buffoon kind of actor. And it didn't really go over well with fans. They actually kinda of really wanted the Mandarin to be the way he was. So, but, uh, yeah, he was the voice of the Mandarin in the animated series of Iron Man in the 90s. And he was also the voice of Shirozama in the X-Files TV series. Two very important episodes to the overall mythology of that show.
1: Yeah, I, you recognize his face. So, he's been on so much, uh, so many TV episodes as a featured player that you can recognize his face. He's a very recognizable uh, character actor.
0: Yeah, and also Jill Hennessy, who we've talked about before, returns once again playing the secretary in the office of uh, one of the characters that gets killed off.
1: Oh, yes. And John
0: yes. Fujioka, who plays Jack's friend, was in uh, Mortal Kombat and Pearl Harbor. Uh, and American Korea, Ninja. Ninja <laughs> um, several water a te- Texas Ranger. Uh, and several other uh, uh, TV series probably playing that like that Japanese actor that they need. Um, he was uh, the general, of the commanding armies in uh, Pearl Harbor, and the episode was directed by Rodney Charters, who was cinematographer on uh, TV series such as Twenty Four, The Pretender, and Roswell, and the current Magnum PI and Dynasty television series on right now.
1: Yeah, uh, we basically open our episode with a flashback. So this is Tokyo, 1945. Right. And the, the scene, it's obvious that this woman is dead, and there is a, a, a man in, in samurai wardrobe running through the rain. And the sense is that, um, that the, the, her father killed her, and so the samurai loves this woman, and so he kills himself in, in honor to be with her. And then it flashes to, you know, the modern day.
0: Jack and Johnny and uh, Mickey are visiting an old friend of Jack's to get an ancient tea set that was, of course, cursed and it has the ability to turn the tea to poison. Not really the MacGuffin of the episode. The MacGuffin are the three monkey statues, uh, which right off the bat, I'm going to say I don't own any monkey statues. And I don't <laughs> own anything that has a see no evil, hear no evil, speak no evil kind of vibe to it either
1: no no i i don't own any either um and and there's a lot of history behind these three monkeys actually but the way they're used in the episode is that uh these three monkeys uh are ju- in judgment of someone someone has to be so honorable to turn down their um you know telepathy and you know insider inf- information all that you have to turn it down and then they will spare you but if you take their advice or use anything that they that is bestowed to you to them you fail and you are deserved of death and in this episode this object is over 500 years old
0: wow so it was a big pain yeah, in the ass before the
1: devil got to it well i mean devil is ancient so this is a cursed object from you know uh, you know, OG days. (laughs) Yeah, but it wasn't
0: causing the problems that it was before, I mean, until, obviously, Uncle Lewis got a hold of it and made his deal with Satan.
1: Yes, it it had the deal with Satan far, uh, you know, way before Uncle Lewis.
0: Um, I had to also take another peek at imdb for tia carrera she's still working today but a lot of stuff i never watch but i also always forget that uh besides wayne's world she's best known for being the villain the villainess of the femme fatale and true lies with arnold schwarzenegger and she has that dance with that's him the true of the movie. yeah very hot dance yeah too. very hot dance yeah um the hear no evil see no evil speak no evil of course has been around for a while and used in multiple media pop culture type things
1: oh yes yes um those three monkeys actually uh they have names. Uh the see no evil is mizaru, hear no evil is kikazaru and speak no evil is Iwazaru. And uh they basically symbolize the virtues of, you know, um what this episode is really illustrating. You know, the you turn down gossip, you um you know, try not to to say anything, try not to uh hear uh, people talking and, you know, all of that. Uh, it's actually, I traced it back to an ancient Zoroastrianism uh, phrase from 1200 BC uh, called uh, Humana, uh, Humata, Hukata, and Havarsha, and that means good thoughts, good words, good deeds. Uh, but it, in this episode specifically, uh, there it's really relating to the um, 17th century carvings by sculptor Hildagri Jingaro I'm sure I'm butchering the names here at the Tushagu Shrine in Nikko, Japan and it is under protection by UNESCO World Heri- as a World Heritage Site so this uh, entire panel that these three monkeys are depicted in is actually one part of an eight panel um, display of the uh confucius's code of conduct if you line um the so up in like a nutshell in that's the, the
0: beginning it. of the episode where the monkeys are all lined up uh, and you pause the excuse me if you pause your dvd uh the see no evil monkey is shown right next to his brother uh twice and the prop master screwed yes. up and didn't actually get all three of the monkeys uh where they were supposed to be they probably made more than one of those props uh, for various reasons to do things, probably because of the stop-motion animation that they had to use for this episode. Mm-hmm. So uh, there's a bit of a goof with that. And there's another goof that comes up later on, by the way. Somebody gets impaled on a sword, and uh, the sword goes through him, and when it comes out the other side, it's a completely different place from where the actual other part of the, the handle is. And it Oh, ro- I didn't know that one! And it bops back and forth like, a piece of rubber. It's a... You can clearly tell that it's a piece of rubber under his clothes and the sword is, like, up in his chest and the other half of the sword's down closer to his waist.
1: Oh, wow. Okay. (laughs) I didn't notice that one. I did notice when, in the very beginning, you see the here monkey, see monkey, and then see monkey again.
0: Oh, gotcha. Um proving once again you can't be friends with anyone at Curious Goods This is old friend of Jack's, who does, of course, get, you know, killed.
1: He makes the ultimate sacrifice.
0: He still gets killed because he's he... friends with anybody from Curious Goods.
1: <laughs> well, you know, yeah, that's part of it. Yeah, But it, it in the very end, you know, he sacrifices himself to uh, vanquish the villain of this episode.
0: I was kind of hoping we were going to get, like, a big badass sword fight to... Uh, protect Jack when he gets captured and that doesn't that doesn't really happen.
1: No, and which is kind of disappointing because they showed all that sword play with the um bamboo rods at the beginning of the episode.
0: Right. Definitely.
1: It 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 would have been a natural foreshadowing of some major sword fighting scene.
0: The um The brothers and sisters running the corporation and getting their uh, gifts from their uh, father to do something good with them, um, but it all turning out badly, is kind of an age-old story.
1: Oh, yeah. The the, um, all men live forever through their children?
0: But not only that, but I'm basically giving you an opportunity to not be like me, and you're going to squander it.
1: (laughs) Uh, squandering the the fam- the family ties for success. Exactly. Yeah. Also, this is
0: an interesting MacGuffin: is that it has multiple powers; it can transport people too. Usually, the MacGuffin. That one was thing. pretty interesting. Yeah, this MacGuffin has multiple uses. It has transportation ability. It has the curse to kill people. Um, you know, it, it's it's obviously giving the life force back to the old man
1: yeah it, it's um it's got like three things it can do yeah it totally does, and for some reason that old guy that would take the statues after the the you know the statue does its is death blow uh he seems to be able to transport himself with the statues at will
0: because when jack uh, sorry when Johnny goes to get the statue from um the uh the the second uh the second uh, sibling and of course, we that's where we meet Jill Hennessy as the secretary um there's nobody there in the office, and then lights go out, come back on, and he's there,
1: yeah, yeah, and he just appears there and hit with the brain hemorrhage from Death by Bells, right, I put it,
0: yeah, and then of course, there's a you know the light show that happens with the light coming out, you know the eyes and stuff, and mm-hmm. uh. Yeah. I have to give it up to the, uh, again, the uh, the stop motion for the monkeys to be able to move around uh, was uh, pretty good. We only got a couple seconds. I thought those are so cute. But it takes a lot to do stop motion sometimes. It can take an hour. It can take hours. It can take, I was told, ten hours to do um, possibly just ten minutes of stop motion.
1: Yeah, I believe it. Especially good stop motion.
0: Yeah, and this is a time in the 80s when stop motion was pretty much on its way out. Ghostbusters had used it, of course, and several, several other, um, not Ghostbusters, uh, Clash of the Titans had used it, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, Ghostbusters did use it, yeah. They had the terror dogs. The terror dogs were stop motion. Yeah, in yeah. Certain scenes, I forgot. I was like, wait a minute. No, yeah, there is, yeah, yeah. The terror dogs in certain scenes were, were stop there. motion. So um, this was at a time in the 80s when stop motion was really on its way out.
1: Well, you know, despite the name of this episode being Year of the Monkey... Uh there it was no year of the monkey that involved with this. What was the Uh Tokyo uh, uh, well Tokyo 1945 that was the year of the rooster.
0: Okay, what about
1: 1990? 1990? Let me check on that. I thought that was also uh,
0: Chinese no. by the way. Zod- I thought that was Chinese not Japanese.
1: Oh, well if they're referencing year of the monkey, you know that is a Chinese zodiac but okay. they are referencing that.
0: But these are Japanese this is the Japanese uh backstory. Yes. That
1: but it's not my fault that they mix their, their countries. Their cultures. Yeah.
0: <laughs> so what was the uh year what was the Chinese zodiac for nineteen ninety? Uh
1: nineteen ninety, let me check. Um hmm. Horse.
0: Okay, so neither, nothing no, is monkeys. No. I was born in the year of the monkey, by the way, 1980.
1: I was born in the year of the horse in
0: 1978. Ah, um, we actually have at a store I work at a Optimus Prime toy called the Optimus Prime Year of the Horse Chinese New Year Year of the Horse. Um, it, it was released in conjunction with that. So on Optimus Prime, he has, like, a horse pattern kind of around his body and on the box itself.
1: Huh. Okay.
0: Yeah, kind of interesting, considering it's a Transformer also from Japan and not China. Yeah. Well, uh, yeah. And Chinese and the Japanese are not exactly allies.
1: Uh, That's uh, correct from what I've heard, but... Yeah, well we yeah.
0: Are, we we have a military base in Japan. This right? is also
1: 1989, this episode ni- uh, 18, well, 89 no. 89 when it was filmed in 90.
0: 90 when it aired, which by the way we're now in the 90s for the rest of the remainder of Friday the 13th the series.
1: Oh yes. We entered the um, 90s last week. <laughs> um yeah. Yeah. This object um The the one death out of this entire thing, you know, and we've got a total of uh, six deaths throughout the episode. The death that that really saddened me the most was the daughter, uh, Mishiko, because she did not take what the.
0: Because she's Tia Carrera and she's so hot. No, I completely agree. (laughs) Oh, wait, sorry, go
1: on. (laughs) (laughs) She is very beautiful, but. (laughs) Yes, she's performing very well. and (laughs) So, uh, Michiko rejects what the statue is trying to give her, and she goes with her own thoughts on the matter when she passes judgment on this guy in for uh, administrative review. Mm -hmm. And uh, she does not take the, the statue's advice. She gets transported back to her father, and he asks her to kill him, and instead, she turns the blade on herself and kills herself, uh, because she cannot dishonor her family by rejecting to kill him, and uh, if she was dishonorable, the statue would have killed her anyway. So, she's kind of in a tough bind, and she did not want to kill her father, so, yeah, that was pretty sad.
0: We'll take a quick break, and we'll be back with uh, Friday the 13th of the series, episode 12, uh, and uh, the... Coming on an all
1: new Friday the 13th, the series. Welcome back. While families mourn their loss, an obsessed undertaker resurrects the dead. I wasn't seeing things. Mysterious disappearances, maniacal determination. New life, new memory. A madman whose tool of death makes a cursed life eternal. Alive, Jack.
0: The wicked mortician on an all new Friday the 13th, the series.
1: You'll be lucky to die only once next week.
0: Friday the 13th the series and the music you are listening to is by Richard Band for the 1980s horror movie classic The Reanimator directed by Stuart Gordon and starring Jeffrey Combs uh, about a man who's obsessed with bringing people back from the dead not quite as zombies, but like reanimated corpses with their intelligence intact. And we kind of get that a bit in this episode. More so from The Bride Reanimator, which was the sequel, also starring uh, Jeffrey Combs, but this time directed by Brian Yuzna. And uh, they're uh, all available on Blu-ray, by the way, from Arrow uh, Home Video. Fantastic gore-fest horror movies. If you've ever seen them or you haven't seen them, you're definitely worth checking out. And this episode definitely has a lot in common with this, as a man who is kind of obsessed with death. And Reanimator, of course, is famous for one particular scene at the end of the movie, when, Brian- when uh, Barbara Crampton is tied down, naked, stripped bare, and the decapitated head of the sleazy professor, who was always like eyeballing her since she was a little girl, uh, forces his decapitated head between her legs, giving her a bit of a lick down.
1: Yes, and if that theme of music sounded very f- close to the theme for Psycho, uh, that would be because it was the same composer, same composer to both, and so it used the same types of themes for both Reanimator series and for Psycho.
0: That scene's probably Mr. Zeneca's favorite scene of all time in any horror movie. Decapitated Dad. zombie head giving a lick down. Considering yeah, what you're I into. Know.
1: I, I kind of like to be on top. <laughs> <laughs>
0: But, no, he's not mounting her, he's licking, he's... he. Yeah, I know, her. I know, and I'm
1: telling you, I prefer to be on top.
0: Oh, okay, I'm not <laughs> sure how that works exactly uh, with uh, oral sex most of the time, but, uh, you know, it's easier when the woman lies down and you're performing oral sex on them.
1: Easier is not what I'm interested in.
0: <laughs> okay, going on with the episode description, and when... Uh,
1: okay, all right episode epitaph for a lonely soul originally aired january 22nd 1990 a mortician uses a haunted embalming tool to reanimate the corpse of a woman with whom he was obsessed in life
0: um yeah really obsessed considering that he's like you know like you should be my wife and we will stay together uh the director of the episode alan Croker, uh, is a documentary director, filmmaker, still working to this very day on, uh, various television series, uh, has, uh, recently did a stint on both Bones, Chuck's and, sorry, Bones, Chuck, and Covert Affairs. Um, Carl Binder wrote the episode, he... also wrote episodes of Stargate Atlantis, Stargate SG-1, and Stargate Universe, uh, which we had, uh, mentioned previously, the brides in this episode because there's more than one one slightly dead one really dead uh, we'll get to that in a minute considering how uh, I'm like how is she still like as good looking yeah. as she is two years later um, I get one just died about that's like okay that. but the other one not so much but uh, one is played by Neil Monroe who unfortunately passed away at the age of 62 in July of 2009 um she was in the adventures of tintin the animated series uh had been three episodes of friday the 13th the series uh two more coming up very soon uh twilight zone episodes um hey mr zeneca what's the name of that thing that the uh our great and powerful president wants to initiate in space
1: the Space Force? Yes, and she was on StarCom, the United
0: Spa United States Space <laughs> Force TV series. <laughs> she played Emperor Dark, Sergeant Major Bull Gruff of Space Starbase Command. Mm,
1: yeah.
0: <laughs> I'm sorry, Neil Monroe. I'm sorry. I, 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 I completely screwed that up. This is Neil Monroe who plays Ellie uh Eli uh Eli Leonard.
1: Okay. Okay. I'm All sorry. Right. So
0: not not the woman. I'm sorry. I I messed that up. But yeah, he uh, passed away uh, in 2009, and he was on the uh, aforementioned Star Force TV series. Which, by the way, if you have every time the president mentions his space force, this is where the images of the space force are coming from. That people have been questioning, like, wait, there was a Space Force before? Yeah, there was a TV series called Space Force. So whenever the president mentions it, this is the, where the uh, memes and all the gifs and, you know, images are coming from. The meme origin of the day. Yeah, Starcom, the United United States Space Force.
1: <laughs> one of the other brides, the one that's not as dead, is, uh, played by Monica Shinar.
0: Yeah. she played Sarah Brightman in uh, Waxworks, too. Very sexy.
1: Yeah, she was uh, the youngest girl ever to win the prestigious Ford Modeling Agency Supermodel of the World Competition at 14. Wow. Yeah.
0: So, this is your favorite episode ever up until the season finale when uh, we get into the BDSM episode, right?
1: I did like it, yes. (laughs) Okay, you know, for... I don't know if our listeners really know, but, um, yeah, I I love uh, Dead Bodies, and so uh, this... Episode's concept: taking the the dead body from being a, a piece of meat on the slab to being a passive uh, piece of meat that you can semi-guide and somewhat talk to. Uh, that's kind of what I'm into, and uh, and that was totally done in this episode in a various you know ways with the antique uh, the antique embalming sort the antique embalming aspirator as our cursed object.
0: And uh, you would uh, – th- this episode would rate right write, write up there probably with, like, Weekend at Bernie's as being your favorite movie ever.
1: <laughs> uh, actually, no. Um, in this type of uh, necrophiliac genre, I do like a movie called Kissed. Now, not the one with Drew Barrymore, but if you look – you know, it's a movie called Kissed. And it is the closest depiction to necrophilia and the explanation for it that I have ever come across. I highly recommend uh, taking a, a, you know, searching out for it on the interwebs.
0: What about the movie but Dead Girl? Have you ever seen that? The Dead Girl. The movie is, called is the Dead. Part? The movie called Dead Girl.
1: I am not aware of this movie.
0: Okay, you can look it up on, I believe, Shudder, or it's been on Netflix uh, before. I might okay. believe it's still on Netflix. It's about two high school boys who find a girl in a basement of an old abandoned warehouse that they go to to smoke weed and drink um, tied to a bed, and she is, like, dead. And um, they don't know what to do with her until one of the two who's really sick decides to get into his idea that, you know, she'll be her, their pers- his personal, like, fuck toy. Mm. and continues to like proceed to rape this zombie chick and of course the other guy who does have a girlfriend i believe um you know like gets suspicious or whatever and like you know finds out about it and uh and it, it is like like a incredibly wow. messed up uh horror you know teenage horror movie
1: no th- this is not a horror movie kissed is not a horror movie despite its necrophilia content it's basically a romantic journey where this uh woman understands that she is a necrophiliac, uh, becomes a mortician, and she gets a boyfriend which cannot understand nor conceptualize the reasons why she is a necrophiliac until he reaches a point where he kills himself just to be her one and only.
0: The joke that I've always made when the Twilight movies were coming out, especially when we got to New Moon, was that Bella chose necrophilia over bestiality when she went with Edward and not Jacob.
1: Totally, she did. (laughs) She liked
0: the dead (laughs) cock instead of the furry cock.
1: (laughs) Yeah, anyone into vampires, totally necrophiliac.
0: Hey, then I guess I'm a necrophiliac because I'm totally into Vampirella.
1: (laughs) Yeah, yep, yep, same thing, undead. No, you know, well, actually, no, wait, wait, a no, dead body.
0: that's not true. Vampirella's not dead. She's a living vampire. She's kind of either an alien or she's like the daughter of the, the queen of hell, depending on what okay. origin story we go with. So actually, no, that's that that, that one doesn't count. But uh, any of the vampires in the Hammer Horror movies or Tilda Swinton in Only Lovers Left Alive, yeah, totally. <laughs>
1: yeah, yeah. Um, So this episode is chock full of necrophilia.
0: A little bit, but we don't uh, actually see him like
1: we don't we don't see him like, "Fuck this girl, oh, you totally get the notion that they did though
0: okay, you really you really think they, you really think so,
1: oh yeah, yeah she she wakes up naked, uh with the the sheet draped over her body, just so morning after, yeah, yeah, they totally did it, oh and she right. okay. went in for the kiss, she raised her hand like in some some form of primitive acceptance. And then they show the next morning, and she's in the sheets. Yeah, they totally did it.
0: By the way, for anyone listening, hopefully you were there over the age of 18, as this, of course, will be an explicit episode on iTunes.
1: (laughs) A little late for that. (laughs) We're always explicit, man. (laughs) So the the tool that he's using, the embalming aspirator, uh, many people don't know how uh, basically embalming is done. So uh, embalming, the embalming sword, the trochor, uh, is actually injected, inserted into the body cavity to extract fluids and gases from the corpse because that will expedite um, uh, decomposition. So the embalming sword uh, gets placed in. And it sucks out all that fluid uh, from the kidneys, all the all of the different different bags that are the internal organs, and that is what is our cursed object. So that long thing that you stick that you see out of it, that is actually the trochor, the hollow needle. So it's a huge gauge needle, and then um, on on bodies they add a little button in where that trochor hole is, uh, and they call that the trochor button.
0: Like kind of a cheap. um, like a like a turkey.
1: Yes, bite. actually, yes, it does look like that.
0: That's what I always um, thought.
1: Yeah, and and considering that w- when a corpse is embalmed, you have to seal shut the eyes, you wire the mouth closed, the gums and teeth are, are basically wired shut so, so that the mouth has a natural look to it. Uh, the button is placed in the trocar. Hole and all the orifices all of the orifices are filled with cotton or some sort of plug so it's nice to know that at some point in the future these uh guys that are totally homophobic and and uh, you know gay bashing you know when they die they are going to be filled with stuffing in their ass and that that gives me some pleasure (laughs)
0: Um, I'm not going to comment on that And get into a whole thing about how one is related To the other in regards to homophobia Because that's a whole other show So uh, let's move on (laughs) Um So the uh a lot of this episode has to do with a character who uh, you know, obviously lost his wife and he unfortunately gets killed off very prematurely and doesn't get any satisfaction in his story. And I was I was a little disappointed in that. I thought this would be a character we would see kind of live through the end of the episode and at least get some closure, but he ends up getting killed, unfortunately, with the embalming tool that the two uh ambulance drivers find.
1: Uh, ambulance drivers.
0: The two guys at the beginning of
1: the episode. Oh, um, no, they're the morticians.
0: Morticians. The, well, the morticians drivers. are
1: dropping off a body for right. the for Eli to work on because they are over overbooked with people.
0: There's a movie that just came out this weekend, and so it's a great reason why we're doing this episode. The time we're recording this on December second. Um, as by the way, for anyone listening, uh, for who is Jewish, today is the first night of Hanukkah. Yeah. Yes. Tonight <laughs> it begins the eight nights of Hanukkah. Uh, so happy Hanukkah to any of our listeners who happen to be celebrating Hanukkah tonight. Yes. There is a movie that came out in the week in the theaters this weekend that was filmed here in Boston called "The Possession of Hannah Grace," and it's about a f- cop who. Um, After dealing with uh, the loss of her partner Takes a job as a mortician In the Metro West uh, Hospital in downtown Boston And she gets a corpse in there That is still possessed by the demon That her father was trying to With a priest trying to exercise Mm. And a lot of people uh, Think of it uh, very similar To the autopsy of Jane Doe uh, Very similar story If anyone has seen that horror movie uh, so I just thought it was funny that we're dealing with, of course, a mortician and a funeral home and reanimating dead, uh, when that movie came out in theaters this weekend. Not terrible. Worth kind of checking out, maybe. Maybe I'm a little biased because I live here in the Massachusetts, but, uh, I think if you, you know, are interested in demonic possession movies that don't quite end the way you think they're going to, um... And I don't mean, like, how the movie ends with, like, the possession, you know, being exorcised, but this is, like, what happens afterwards if the exorcism doesn't work.
1: Ah, uh, okay.
0: Yeah. So, you're checking out related to the what we're talking about.
1: So, this is one of those episodes where it's obvious that the object itself, the cursed object, calls out to uh, its user. Because this object, the, the aspirator, was in the possession of his fellow mortician's hands, and he didn't seem any; seemed that there it would had any value. It was worthless to him. And then uh, Eli takes it and he holds it in his hands, like, "Wow, this you know, can I keep this?" And he's like, "Yeah, sure, go ahead." So, yeah, those cursed objects definitely call out to their users.
0: There seems to be like a uh, if you intend on doing bad things, maybe, but or if you maybe have some malice inside you or something wicked. Because um, even like the good people who have used these cursed objects um, are basically spurred by maybe like one of the seven deadly sins. Like the girl in the wheelchair, you know, she was a good person, but w- w- what was done to her was uh, horrible enough to obviously twist that goodness into something mm-hmm. that would use the wheelchair for for evil.
1: It it seems that you know those objects draw upon your deepest insecurities and your deepest desires, and just like the the. Episode title: Epitaph for a Lonely Soul. Like this guy was severely lonely. He was taking Polaroid photographs of his deceased, you know, as some sort of um, weird pinup calendar. Yeah. And did you notice that he actually uses European style dates? No, uh, I didn't. Yeah, uh, the date that um, that's used on the picture is eight slash twenty three slash eighty nine. European style dates. Put the day in the middle, whereas US puts the um sorry this all the way around flip that <laughs> um it, it's actually twenty three slash eight slash eighty nine. We use it month day, and they use it day month.
0: <laughs> yeah, I it, that uh, I've seen that various times, you know, various ways in in various um you know I, I've seen that done like that you know several times before, and it's always been a little bit confusing until I've been able to figure it out.
1: Yeah, and, and especially when you occur a date that is not in you know it could be either way where are you talking about uh july sixth or are you talking about June seventh? Yeah.
0: Did you um did you happen to catch the uh exclusive club that Jack is a part of? Because they uh the episode by the way opened um with like an antique, you know, like a You know, like a party at at Curious Goods. cocktail party
1: that he's throwing, yeah.
0: Yeah, for antique collectors and stuff. This is, by the way, a Johnny-less episode. Johnny is off visiting family, so this is just Jack and Mickey.
1: Yeah, yeah. uh, Jack's throwing this cocktail party because he kind of has to for this group of antiques dealers who are kind of assholes to him.
0: A little bit, especially when they're like, Oh, Jack and his supernatural, oh ho ho
1: yeah, and then they get they give him a great lead on an object, and it ends up being true.
0: Yeah, because uh, the story is, sounds so ridiculous, it would be something on the Weekly World News. But Jack immediately has to investigate, of course, because of everything they you know they've ever had to deal with.
1: Mhm. Mhm. Yeah. Uh, in this episode, I thought maybe there would be a chance that we would get a net positive result to our body count. Because in this episode, we really only have uh, Steve, the uh, begraved husband, and our bad guy, Eli.
0: Now, uh, why is um, uh, Steve's wife, of course, is freshly dead, so she still looks gorgeous and beautiful. And she does act like the dead bodies in Reanimator. The dead bodies in Reanimator, if they're freshly dead... They're not completely ravenous crazy yet. Um, the longer they stay dead, obviously, that's the whole point of, like, Herbert's, Herbert West's research. But um, when she comes back, she's, like, incredibly disoriented. She's obviously dead. She's completely out of it. But she feels like, you know, she's got some cognitive skills. Now, the other girl who's brought back is two years in the ground and still looking pretty good. Well, to a degree.
1: Well, that's...
0: Maybe to you, that's... not to me.
1: Uh, well, she was looking good for being two years dead. I will say that. Um, part of what you're seeing or the, what they're trying to Mr. illustrate Z- is... How
0: much Zeneca likes her meat, but that's the whole story. right? Now, <laughs> uh,
1: I like them fresh. <laughs>
0: uh, uh, so, Any age limit when... on how fresh? <laughs> 18 to uh, 21, 25 uh, to 35. No, no, no. Okay. <laughs>
1: They have to remember not having a cell phone in their pocket. That's my age limit. Oh, okay, so they'll be
0: in their 30s. Okay, I understand. Exactly, exactly. Um,
1: (laughs) But uh, learning a lot about me today. Okay. (laughs) Uh, uh, So the embalming process is a process to actually preserve the body. Now, a lot of people believe that embalming is necessary, it is not necessary whatsoever. Um, you can pretty much save three thousand dollars off of your funeral bill by uh, refusing to have the patient embalmed Um, even though in the United States and Canada embalming is uh, a routine process it is not uh, commonly done outside of the US and Canada and it's usually by request Um, the embalming process allows the fluids in the body to be replaced by chemicals these chemicals are a combination of formaldehyde, uh, glutaraldehyde, ethanol, uh, some wetting agents, and um, this this stuff uh, under a brand name called Metaflow. This stuff replaces the fluids because water and bacteria are the forces of decomposition. So it replaces this material, the the water and the matter, with this chemical to preserve. Now preser- preservation is only guaranteed between six months to two years, and that's really depending on the temperature of the body uh, versus the um, the length that the body is actually dead. So if this was actually in a place where the ground was fairly cold most of the year, then that body would be preserved well. Uh, in a in a higher state than someone that was buried in Arizona, so in the in this episode, they do a lot of kind of misleading funer funereal things um, but you know I have a lot of information on this. How far do you want me to go with this? <laughs>
0: Um, I don't know uh I mean that 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 should probably be uh pretty good for now. by the way, for I mean, anyone like, curious, we do have an episode why... no uh okay. okay uh for anyone curious, the reason why we just happen to be getting into a bit more of uh Mr. Zeneca's uh unusually uh kinky taste well. is there's an episode coming up at the end of the season that will be um very he- heavy centric on um most uh things that uh Mr. Zeneca is into.
1: That's true.
0: Yes. I mean, that whole episode, that episode is about bondage and BDSM coming up. Yeah.
1: I'm so, looking forward to that
0: one. You certainly are. It's the final episode of the show, too. So you will actually be taking over for that uh, episode, too. And I think we're going to be t- doing that in, so to what, we're doing 11 and 12 tonight, 13, 14, 15, 16, 17, 18, 19, and 20. That is going to be the final episode of the year, too, on December 30th. Well, I don't own an embalming tool. Do you? Uh,
1: I don't own any embalming tools. Uh, I mentioned on a previous episode that I used to own a, um industrial medical syringe and, and kit, medical uh, technology, but no, I, I don't have that anymore.
0: So. Gotcha. Well, that's pretty much it for this episode of Friday the 13th, the series. These two episodes of Friday the 13th, the series. You can catch us on... All our social media, which we've discussed before The Dead TV Podcast on Facebook ThatRadioHorror at gmail.com If you want to send us an email You can also find us on our individual Twitters At ChrisDSav at Elegantly kinky. And I'm going to leave you With an appropriate song uh, For this episode From The 1998 album By uh, rock god Horror rock guy Rob Zombie We have Living Dead Girl here on the radio, uh, radio Horror Network's podcast, the Dead TV podcast. Thank you for joining me, Mr. Zeneca. Thank you. All right, everyone, have a good night.
1: Who is this irresistible creature who has an insatiable love for the dead?